Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's the Game Week 3 preview. So I'm going to go through the latest talking points as well as answering some of your questions as well. So if you do enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button. I'm trying to hit 375k subscribers before the international break. And they're still up to 50% off with Fantasy Football Hub at the moment as well. So if you want to sign up for that, all the links you need are in the description below. All right, let's talk about the Arsenal penalty taking situation because they did get a penalty against Crystal Palace on Monday night. And I think anyone that owned Bakayo Saka was hoping that he would step up and take it. But he actually gave the ball to Martin Odegaard. He went on to score and took all the points. So what does that mean for Arsenal players moving forward? Well, there were some interesting quotes after the game. Uh, Mikel Arteta said he had no clue that Odegaard would take the penalty. So presumably going into that match, he thought Saka was still first choice. Uh, he went on to say it was a decision taken by the players on the pitch. And Martin Odegaard basically backed that up. He said, we have been taken in preseason a lot and I've scored all of mine. So I just asked him, obviously he's talking about Saka, and he gave it to me. So I have to thank him for that one. So who's going to take penalties for Arsenal moving forward? I think we have to assume it's going to be Odegaard, right? Or at least he's going to take the next one. It could be that Arteta says, no, it was my decision for Saka to be first choice. That is going to stay. But why would you force a player to take penalties that's happy to give them up? It's quite clear that Saka is not bothered about having all those extra goals. If the captain wants to take them instead, he's going to let him do that. I think if it was Kane or Salah, obviously, they're never going to give penalties up. But Saka seems quite happy to. So I don't know why Arteta would kind of force that decision on the players. So I think Odegaard will take them moving forward. But we can also say that it's probably not a definite it might be that Odegaard takes the next one, but at some point Saka takes another one. That could happen. But I would assume when I'm thinking about Arsenal players moving forward that Odegaard now has penalties, right? So what does that mean in terms of our FPL squads right now? It definitely doesn't mean we should panic, right? If you've got Saka, he's, it's not like he's a must-sell. And if you don't have Odegaard, you don't have to go out of your way to buy them. But obviously, it might change your decisions if in the future you need to buy an Arsenal attacker. Now, I took the non-penalty expected goal and expected assist uh, involvement per 90 minutes for Martinelli, Odegaard and Saka. I got these from Fantasy Football Hub. If you want to check all this stuff out for yourself, there's links in the description below. Uh, Martinelli was actually the best, right? So 0.36 expected goals, 0.3 expected assists per 90. As we know... He doesn't necessarily get as many minutes as the other two players. So that's why I was always a little bit more worried about him in preseason. But while he's playing, he's fantastic. Next up is Odegaard. 0.25 expected goals per 90, 0.28 expected assists. And in third place, it's Saka. 
0.23 for expected goals and 0.23 for expected assists. The reason that I was so keen on having Saka in my game week one squad was because he's absolutely nailed on. His minutes are fantastic. He never misses matches. And also he had penalties. But if he doesn't have penalties, by definition, it makes him a worse option. And if Odegaard's going to take them, it makes him better. So moving forward, if I had a choice between the two, I probably would take Odegaard. And I'd definitely take Odegaard over Martinelli because of his minutes. And now, presumably, and it's not always correct to assume, but I think we can in this case, assume that he's got penalties as well. The only thing I would say about Odegaard's numbers, I'm interested to see how they go this season with Havertz in there as well, kind of mostly playing as a number eight. He might take up some of the attacking burden and Odegaard might not quite and might not be quite as attacking as he was last year. It's hard to say right now because we've only seen a couple of games. Like if we look at Odegaard's total expected goal involvement, it was 0.2 against Forest, which is pretty low. That's expected goal involvement, so uh, XG and expected assist combined. And against Palace, it was 0.92. But if you take the penalty off that, it's around the same number as against Forest, which isn't great. So that is why I don't think you need to rush out and buy Odegaard. And you definitely don't need to rush out and sell Saka either because this week he's got Fulham at home. It's Man United at home game week four, Everton away game week five, another home game against Spurs game week six, Bournemouth away game week seven. Yes, his numbers aren't as good as other attackers, but his minutes are exceptional and that definitely counts for something. So with this news, I haven't really got plans to do anything apart from stick with the players I've got. I think if you had a luxury transfer, I do quite like Martinelli to Odegaard, just for the minutes and the penalties. But I think for most people, there's going to be more interesting things to do. So we don't know for certain who is penalty taker moving forward, because Arteta might make a decision. But I think we can assume Odegaard's probably going to take the next one. So lots of people have been asking me about James Madison because he is currently flagged in FPL and he does seem to be a doubt for game week three. I saw this tweet from Paul O'Keefe yesterday who usually has lots of good information about Spurs and he said, I believe the James Madison injury is actually a minor MCL strain and the ankle slash foot injury is not significant. So that's obviously a good thing. It sounds like he's not going to be out for a long time. He went on to say, recovery is possible quickly and he could even make the weekend, but that seems to be an optimistic shout would expect Tottenham to be cautious. So it might be that he's available for game week three, but Postacoglu doesn't want to rush him back. So they give him till game week four and then reassess him then. What should you do with him? Well, obviously you shouldn't make any early decisions. So don't buy him and don't sell him just yet. Wait and see what Postacoglu says in his press conference on Friday ahead of the weekend's games. If he says he's out for two weeks, I would definitely sell him. I just wouldn't take that risk. I think in the first seven game weeks for Spurs, the best three fixtures are game weeks three, four, and five. So if he's going to miss two of them, then he's not worth keeping. There's better options out there. If he's only a doubt for game week three and could be back for game week four, if he was a player that you wanted to keep long term and you've got good bench options, you could just bench him for game week three and just have him back for game week four. It's all going to rely on what Postacoglu says, but that would be what I would do. If he's a doubt for game week three only and you wanted to keep him long term, then keep hold of him. If he's going to miss two game weeks, I would absolutely get rid of him. In terms of options to bring in, there's quite a lot in midfield. And obviously, if you've got more money, you can upgrade. But in and around his price, you've got someone like Phil Foden. I know lots of people like him at the moment. If you think he's going to continue to start, happy days. I'm going to talk about him later on. The only thing is he's 7.6 million. And obviously, Madison started at 7.5. So he's a little bit more 
uh, expensive. In terms of the other midfielders that are being transferred in this week quite heavily, Imbermo is now up to 690,000 transfers in. It was about 525 when I made yesterday's video. He's definitely a good option, right? If you don't have him, I think banking, you know, 0.8 million because he has gone up in price a little bit. He's now 6.7 in Burmo. For the fixtures they've got with what he offers, I think he's a great option. And even if you don't need that money right now, you probably will need it in upcoming weeks. So he's a good option. Obviously, Matoma and Sonny March, both good. The only reason I didn't start with them is because I only had space for one 6.5. If I'd gone for Salah, I definitely would have had Matoma as well. And I know they've got Newcastle at home game week four, Man United away game week five. But who's to say that Brighton don't continue scoring loads of goals against those teams? And outside of that, it's West Ham at home, Bournemouth at home. So even if you didn't want to keep them for kind of Liverpool at home, Man City away later on, you can use a transfer later on. So don't get sucked into the fact you have to, or, or don't get sucked into that mindset that you have to spend all the money. Just because Madison 7.5, that's the price you bought him for, does not mean you've got to spend all of that money. The 6.5s are absolutely fantastic. And obviously you have got Foden as well. They're probably the main three that I would look at. I did look at the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub. Again, links in the description below, all that good stuff for the next six weeks. And they've got Foden top, which I know people will love because everyone loves Foden right now. And like I keep saying and repeating myself, but if he gets good minutes, he's fantastic. Then it's in Burmo. Then they've got Martinelli if you've got a bit of extra money to spend. I don't know if now is the right time to buy Martinelli. Like I've got him and I'm definitely going to keep him for Fulham at home. But he is one of the midfielders I'm kind of not keen on losing. But he's probably one of the first ones I would take out. Because at some point, surely Trossard's going to start. And if he does, could that be left wing? Possibly. If not, there could be early subs. Then it's obviously Madison, but if he's uh, a doubt, he's no good anyway. Then Matoma and then Eze. And then obviously you could take a punt on Sterling as well because he looked good in the first half against West Ham. But also the fixtures coming up for Chelsea are great. So unfortunately, it's going to be a wait and see on Madison. Let's see what Postacoglu says. But if he's going to miss two weeks, I think you've got to sell him. Okay, let's get into some of your questions. So is it more viable than ever to keep Salah? And then this person goes on to say, I've got Salah and my initial plan was to sell him in game week three for Rashford or Bruno, but I don't think I need the cash. And money is basically the key part of this decision, right? Do you need to sell him? to get more money to upgrade other positions, which overall are going to score you more points. If yes, then I would consider selling him. If no, and you're happy with the rest of your team, then why not keep hold of him? Because ultimately, he is the best midfielder in the game. He might cost a lot of money, and you might not be looking to captain him. But if the rest of your squad looks fine, there's no need to kind of sell him on. And I think we need to be careful that just because lots of people don't own him this season, like myself, who usually would... That doesn't mean that he in isolation is a bad option. Like if I look at my own team with Martinelli, Saka and Bermo, Fernandez, or Rashford, if Salah was the same price as any of them, then he would definitely be in my team, right? He is better than all those options. I just think moving forward, it's better to have the money more spread around. That's the strategy that I've gone with in game week one. I was trying to get away with not captaining him against Bournemouth at home in game week two. And then hopefully from here on out, this squad setup will work better. But that might not be the case. Loads of people that have got Salah have got Matoma, who I don't have, and he's absolutely smashed it. So I think you just hold on to him if you're happy with the rest of your team. I think in terms of captaincy, with the fixtures that Haaland's got, Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home, next four, you're probably not going to be captaining Salah anytime soon. But in isolation... He's still a great option. I think even though he missed the penalty against Bournemouth, again, by the way, second penalty in a row against them he's missed, he'll probably keep continuing to take them. I guess the only thing there 
We've seen other players lose penalties, Watkins and Saka. Liverpool are blessed with great penalty-taking options in Soboslai and McAllister. So he might lose them, but I don't think he will. He'll want to keep hold of them. Uh, the fixtures are pretty good. Okay, Newcastle away is going to be tough game week three, but Villa at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. They're not fixtures we worry about with Salah. And his stats are pretty good as well. Like even against Chelsea, 0.59 expected goal involvement. If you watch that game, he came very close to getting more goals and assists in that one. So he only finished on five and the same score against Bournemouth. But in both matches, that could have been higher. He could easily be sitting on 18, 20 points already. And you'd feel much happier about owning him. I think given how badly Rashford and Fernandes have started in terms of points, I get why people don't want to kind of go to them now. And if you've got Jao Pedro and a little bit of money to spend, you could go to Wisser, you could go to Carlton Morris. There's even Alvarez who's like, what, 6.6 million now? You don't necessarily need 2, 3, 4 million to upgrade those players. So is it more viable than ever? I don't know if that's the case. In previous seasons, we've had loads of really great enablers. It's been very easy to have Salah. So I would say no to that. But for a lot of people who've got him, there's no need to be selling him if you don't need like if you don't need to, basically. So is it okay to wildcard this early in the season? And the short answer is yes, but most people probably don't need to use it. But ultimately, it's okay to do whatever you want with your own FPL team. The game is supposed to be fun. And if you're looking at your squad thing and there's loads of changes that I need to make, and those changes will score me loads more points, but more importantly, I'll also be happy with that squad, then of course it's okay to use your wild card. The only thing that I would say is if there was 100 people looking to use it this week and I got them to send me their teams, I reckon I would say about 90% wouldn't actually need to use the wild card. But it's not always about need. Sometimes it's about want as well. And if you want to use it and you'd be happier, go ahead and use it. Just don't fall into the trap of chasing points. That can get very easy to do. So let's say you started with Eze. You're watching him blank for two weeks. He's dropped 0.1 million. In Burmo, Matoma and March, you're absolutely smashing it. You might have a few of those players and want to wildcard. But then I guess what happens in a few weeks when your new picks don't score for two game weeks and you don't have your wildcard chip left over, that's the only kind of thing I would consider. I mean, for my squad, for example, I've actually started quite well. But players like Fernandes and Rashford are both blanked. Watkins has done okay, returns in both games, but only one assist in each. He's not on penalties. Suddenly you can start building up a case to wildcard. But is that a necessity? I would say probably not. For what it's worth, I have wildcarded this early in the season before like game weeks three four five six not for a long time because i've kind of changed my play style as an fpl manager and i'm happy to be a little bit more patient but it is okay i guess the thing to like think about is the second wild card is not available until the second half of the season and you might not want to use it straight away because of double and blank game weeks so if you use your wild card now you might not be using your second one until like game week 30 31 etc so it's a long time to go without that chip that's why i would be certain that you need to use it now but there definitely will be some teams out there where they're close to a wild card so i've put some players on screen let's say you've got john stones out until after the international break madison is a doubt might miss game week three gabriel hasn't started the first two game weeks some of you will have started with nunez he hasn't started it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon okay Eze is not a must sell but if he's one of the players to add to the other issues plus reese james is out until after the international break suddenly that's six players and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that don't own all six. There probably are some of you that do, or you've got other issues. Then I would be close to a wild card with a team like that. So it's hard to give a definitive answer without seeing everyone's teams individually, which I just can't do. But I would say, of course, it's okay. You can do what you want. Most people don't need it. 
but there absolutely will be some people that do and it's perfectly fine to use it in game week three if you need it so with doku going to man city who do you think is the better option moving forward foden or alvarez now in the short term and i'm talking game weeks three and four i like both of these players as picks because i think there's a good chance they'll both start against sheffield united away and fulham at home and they are fantastic fixtures if i had to pick one I'd probably lean more towards Foden, but only because he's listed as a midfielder. So extra point for a goal and extra point for a clean sheet. Realistically, it's just going to come down to your transfer plans. So for my team, I really like the look of my midfield and I'm more likely to use a transfer on Ollie Watkins. In which case, if I was picking between these two, I'd of course go Alvarez because he's listed as a forward. Whereas some of you might have James Madison and if he's ruled out for one or two game weeks and you want one of these two, you're obviously going to go for Foden, right? So they're both good options. I'd maybe lean towards Foden, but a lot of it's going to come down to transfer plans. Longer term, it's just a question about minutes. And the honest answer is, I don't know who's going to get the most minutes. And lots of people will try and guess, but no one really knows, right? So you just take your pick in the short term and hope they keep starting long term. In terms of the setup, I saw this uh, tweet from Luke on Twitter. If you're not already following him, make sure you do. Uh, His handle is DIS underscore FPL. He looks a lot into kind of Man City setups, tactics, and stuff like that. And they have been going with this 4-1-4-1. If you watch the game against Newcastle, Kyle Walker from right back was providing the width on that right-hand side in attack. And Foden and Alvarez were playing quite central. Now, for that setup, things look great. But then when Bernardo Silva's back, fit, and Doku obviously comes into the squad. How does the setup work then? Do one of those two at some times play instead of Walker? Line up as a right back, but obviously mostly be an attack in possession? Possibly. I mean, Bernardo Silva's been used as a fullback that's inverted before, so it could happen. But it's not a guarantee. They could go back to a similar setup to last year, where one of the defenders moves into midfield. We've obviously seen Rico Lewis do that. John Stones, Akanji has done it as well. And then you could have someone else lining up on the right wing as a standard attacker, right? Bernardo Silva, Doku, or Foden. Now, if Fo- uh, sorry, if Bernardo Silva or Doku lines up there, then great. Foden and Alvarez can still play central. But it could be that Doku plays right wing at some point, Bernardo Silva plays central, and then you've got one spot for Alvarez or Foden. And then you're back to that same dilemma of which one of those two is going to get the most minutes. And the answer is, I just don't know. And we're talking about two setups. Pep might have something else up his sleeve. We just we just don't know. And that is the problem with Man City players. And it always comes back to this. Anytime Man City have got good fixtures or they start doing really well, which is basically all the time, we discuss who's going to get the most minutes and it eventually becomes a headache because anything we think will happen just doesn't, right? Or at least it doesn't after a long time. So I honestly think if you want one of these two players, just take your pick and then hope in the future. I think the problem comes is you get stuck in a trap once they get benched. They'll get benched for a game, and you'll think, right, well, that's their benching done. They'll start the next game, and they may well do. And then they'll get benched again, and you'll be like, well, that's another benching, but next game they're going to start. And all of a sudden, you start missing loads of minutes that other players are obviously playing and getting points. That's always my worry with them. And I'm not saying I won't bring one into my team this week, because Alvarez is someone I'm thinking about, but I've also got Nicholas Jackson to consider as well. And I feel like maybe he's less of a headache. We'll discuss that more in tomorrow's video. Uh, But yeah, I think things look good in the next two weeks for Foden and Alvarez. I may go Alvarez. I don't have room for Foden. Just pick one and hope. If you want Man City players, that is really the key. So do we still hold on to Eze despite the pain of the other 6.5 million midfielders doing really well? And I completely get why this question's being asked. I think for me, 
Eze out in game week three feels like a luxury transfer. So if your squad is looking great and Eze is your biggest concern and you've got the money to go to Matoma or Burma or someone like that and you think they're going to do better moving forward, then absolutely you can make that transfer. But if you've got a bunch of injuries or players that are a doubt, I don't think you should be worrying about Eze. I don't think he's really done anything wrong so far, apart from, of course, not get any FPL points. Like, if we look at the first two matches from a stats perspective, against Sheffield United away, 1.09 expected goal involvement. A little bit unlucky to not walk away with a goal or an assist. And even against Arsenal, much tougher fixture. And I appreciate Arsenal were down to 10 men for a bit of that second half. He still put up 0.4 expected goal involvement. He's on pretty much all set pieces. He takes penalties as well. His minutes aren't a concern. And if we look at the fixtures, Brentford away, Wolves at home, Villa away, Fulham at home in game week six. And then it's Man United away in game week seven, which may or may not be a bit more difficult. But then after that, you've got Forrest at home. So I think from game weeks three to eight, he looks like a great option. I've said this loads of times, right? I preferred in Burmo. That's why I started with him. If I was buying again now, I would still pick in Burmo. But I don't think he's so good that you need to worry about getting rid of Eze. If you've got that luxury transfer, fair enough, go and do it. But I think for most people, you can just hold on to him. And even after that Forest game, by the way, Newcastle away, Spurs at home, the fixtures are great after that. He's a really good long-term hold. And I looked at the uh, predicted points on Fantasy Football Hub for the next kind of, well, from game weeks 3 to 10 for players around this price point. In Burmo is top, then it's Matoma, then it's Eze. But the points difference isn't massive. Like Eze is projected to get 37.8 points. Matoma is 39.1 and Burmo is 41, and when you include the transfer cost, even if it's a free transfer, right, it's still, there's still a knock-on from other moves you can then make later on, it's probably not worth it, and you should probably just hope that maybe he gets two penalties in the next two games, like in Burmo has already had. So I get why people are thinking about selling him. It is frustrating, especially when he's dropped down to 6.4, but I think for most people, he's a pretty good hold. So for those of us with issues in defense, what do you think about buying Trippier now ahead of his fixture swing in game week five? So if we quickly take a look at the Newcastle fixtures, they got Liverpool at home, Brighton away in game weeks three and four. I wouldn't really expect them to get a clean sheet in either of those games, but I don't think it completely rules out buying Trippier now. And I'll come back onto that in a minute. In terms of the fixture swing, it's Brentford at home in game week five, followed by Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Crystal Palace at home and Wolves away right up until game week 10 there's loads of opportunity for clean sheets there and if trippy is anything like he was last year he'll be great for bonus when they keep clean sheets and he also has attacking potential as well and i wouldn't really be too worried about liveramento i'm sure he'll get minutes at some point but i don't see trippy not starting anytime soon so as an option given his attacking threat etc i think he's great would i look to buy a defender for liverpool at home and brighton away probably not but I think it really comes down to who you would buy instead. So for example, right, let's say you wanted to target the Man City defence, Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, and you're buying Ruben Diaz. Happy days, right? I think he's a good option for the next two. But if in game week five, you still plan to buy Trippier, and the player you're going to take out is Diaz, then maybe there is a case to be made to just buy him right away. If you were going to buy Diaz now, and then to get Trippier in, you're going to sell someone else like Saliba or whoever it is, then in that case, I would probably just go for the Man City defender now, take the points from the next two fixtures and get Trippier later on, wait until after the international break, get more information, etc. So that, that would be my main overall point. I wouldn't usually want a defender for Liverpool at home and Brighton away, but if the defender you're going to bring in is someone you're going to sell pretty soon afterwards, 
I'd be more tempted to just get Trippier now, hope they can just nick a clean sheet in one of those games, and or he gets attacking returns. Either way, if you don't have a plan for Trippier, start thinking about it. Of course, you can cover the clean sheets with someone like Botman, who's a lot cheaper. But if Trippier goes on a run like we saw last year, and they've got the fixtures to do it, there's loads of points coming. And he definitely wasn't someone I wanted in game week one for 6.5 million, but he's definitely someone I'm thinking about now for game week five onwards i'm a little bit concerned about bringing him in game week five because it's brentford at home brian and burmo Johan Wisser, top form right now it's going to be difficult to keep them out but i definitely want them from game week five or game week six onwards if you've enjoyed that video make sure to give it a like hit that subscribe button i'm trying to hit 375k before the international break if you're listening on podcasts thank you very much make sure to rate five stars on whichever platform you're using and don't forget to check out fantasy football hub if you want to check out all the points projections the fixture analyzers all the other great tools they've got links in the description below i'll catch you again tomorrow sports social podcast network